Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. So, the armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6. I may just get through one element here. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 10. Final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. I'm going to show you something here, that God has given us specific things that he promised that if you'll take hold of these specific things, you will stand firm from all the strategies of the devil. I know that's very contrary to what most Christians have ever believed or grown up thinking, but we can actually live a life where we are not infiltrated by the enemy every day. That's all most people know, including Christians, is a life of destruction, a life of one bad report after another, a life of one unfortunate thing where, I mean, their whole life is they're walking around with their head sunk down below their shoulders because they're just beat up by the enemy left and right. But there is a reality that we can walk in where we can stand firm against all, say all, the strategies of the devil. That means that no matter what the devil, no matter what the demonic, no matter what the wicked realm throws at you, you live immune from each and every thing. You live immune from each and every attack. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities. Other translations say principalities and powers of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist. Say resist. If you're marking in your Bible, highlight that word because you're going to need to come back to it in just a moment. You will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Praise God. There is a thing that there is there are these things we can grab a hold of that the enemy can do whatever the heck he wants, and it won't touch any of us. After he does everything he's trying to do, we'll still be standing in the same place, standing firm. Untouchable. Say untouchable. Christians truly biblically are to be untouchable. Behold, I've given you all authority over the power of the devil. You'll tread on serpents and scorpions. You could drink anything poisonous. It shall by no harms harm you. The sun holds you securely in his hand. The evil one touches you not. The Bible says that they tried to kill Jesus multiple times. They tried to push him off the edge of a cliff. He just walked right through them. And he went on to say, no man can take my life unless I give it freely. And the Bible that says that also says, as Christ is, 1 John 4, 17, so are we. It means if the devil couldn't kill Jesus until his assignment was up, he can't kill you, he can't kill me. Paul was on the island of Malta. A deadly viper jumped up and struck his hand. And what did he do? Oh, my gosh, I'm going to get on my knees, and Lord, I thank you right now. Please help me. I pray that I don't die. He shook it off into the fire. It didn't even have another thought about it. didn't even say another word about it. Why did he just shake it off? Because he understood this. I'm on assignment, so this viper, this is nothing. This is a little kitty cat. Shook it off. And they stood there, and they thought he was a god. Surely you're a god because he was untouched. Then he's, no, I'm not a God. And he gave, he testified to them about Jesus Christ. So he says this, stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that come from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith. I love the New King James. It says, with which you will quench all the fiery darts of the devil. Say all. Man, I'm telling you that there is, and you need to learn how to hold up that shield of faith because once you learn, you can cover your family with that shield. And, you know, people think that you're going to pray and the devil's just going to stop. He's never going to stop. He hates you. He's scared of you. 
Because Paul said in Ephesians 1, I pray you would understand the incredible greatness, the power inside of those that believe. The devil sees the anointing of Jesus Christ on you, and he's terrified. He's terrified for the sake of Angelina County. He's terrified of what will happen if you got a revelation and got a hold of it. So what does he do? He's on an assignment to still kill and destroy you. As long as you're on this earth, the devil's not going to stop. But there is a, a thing that we can do to hold up a shield of faith. He can fire all day long. Not one arrow will touch you. You can hold it up over your children. You can hold it up over your family. You can hold it up over your wife. I got a doctor's report a couple years ago that my wife shouldn't be having kids and that she had all this stuff wrong with her, and if she had any, tried to have any more kids, the child would die in her womb. Well, two babies working on three later, we're blessed by the Lord having kids. Why? The shield of faith. Say the shield of faith. Devil doesn't just get to do whatever he wants. He's a man of, the Bible calls him the man of lawlessness. What does that mean? He tries to break the law. What do you think you're going to do? Tell the devil, that's not fair. Oh, you're right. Sorry. He's the man of lawlessness. That means you got to stand in your authority and break his hand when he tries to put illegal action on your life. This is illegal. I spoke that over my daughter, Oakland, while she was in the womb. They told her, oh, she's going to die, blood clot's going to form. I, that's illegal. It's illegal for the devil to touch my child. It is illegal for the spirit of death to come on my child. So it says you'll hold up the shield of faith. You'll stop all the fiery darts of the devil. You'll put on salvation as your helmet. You'll take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and you'll pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Amen. I just want to give you this quick point here. God gave us tools that would allow us to live immune from the hand of demonic power and come out on top every time. Say every time. You know, the devil, you don't just need to have this theoretical idea of who he is. You need to recognize his hand. Jesus recognized sickness as a hand of the devil. When a person was blind, when they were deaf, when they were crippled, when they were dumb and they couldn't talk, it says he rebuked the spirit and they could see. He rebuked the spirit they could hear. There was a woman that had been crippled over for 18 years. He rebuked the spirit and she stood up straight. The Bible says Jesus went around doing good and healing, say healing, all who were oppressed by the devil. Sickness and disease is oppression of the enemy. If sickness and disease is oppression of the enemy, that means we can hold up the shield of faith and not one of his oppressing arrows can penetrate our lives. That means that a believer can live free from sickness and disease. Come on, somebody. We're not scared of the monkey pox. We never shut down for COVID. We'll never shut down for anything. Ever. I would forfeit the word of God to do that. Hallelujah. Also get this, the word is never the problem. Write that down. The word is never the problem. I'll say it again. The word is never the problem. The word is never the problem. Anything bad that's ever happened to you in your life, the word was not the problem. Well, how come Aunt Sally passed away? I don't know, but the, it wasn't because the word is a lie. And it isn't because God's a liar. The word, it, when things go wrong in our life, always remember this, the word's not the problem. I'll tell you a quick story of how the Lord brought me to really dig and study this. A couple weeks ago, my daughter Oakland, she got a fever, 104 out of nowhere. I've got a revelation that that doesn't belong to my family. It's not right. She got 104 fever. And it was like just random. She was fine, healthy, playing, eating, and then it was like that afternoon, 104, and she was like limp and lethargic. We prayed. The fever went away for like two days. Then, two days later, it came back, 104 again, out of nowhere. This time I got mad. And I began to went, go to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I believe your word is true. And if your word's true, this is not our portion, and this doesn't belong to us. And I know your word's not the problem, so where's the problem? 
And the Lord brought me to the armor, and he said, if there, the only way, this is what the Lord said, the only way that the enemy can infiltrate your life is if there's a crack in the armor. Because I've given the armor, if you stand in the full armor of God, you will be able to resist the enemy. You will still be standing firm in the day of evil, that not one arrow of the enemy will penetrate your life if you'll stand in the armor of God. So I begin to go through the list and say, okay, well, the armor, there's different pieces. Truth. The Lord asked, I I asked myself, is there a crack in my truth? Is my truth messed up? I'm going to tell you something. If my daughter would have got that fever and I would have just normalized it and accepted it, then my truth's messed up. Then I've just compromised the truth of God's word. My truth would have been messed up, and that would have been where the crack was, and the crack wouldn't have got sealed until I got my truth right. So it was my truth messed up. I said, no, Lord, my truth's not messed up. I know your word. I know it belongs to me. I know what Jesus paid for. I know those 39 stripes that he took on his back. They were enough for me today. They're enough for my children. So then the next thing is righteousness. Is righteousness messed up? And we'll talk about this today for a little bit before I dismiss you. Say righteousness. Is there any sin in my life? Is there something that I've done that grieved the Holy Ghost to sin against the word of God that I need to repent of? At that time, no. The Lord said, no, there's not. I asked myself, there was no sin. My righteousness was not the problem. Somebody, Maybe somebody just got offended hearing me say that. What do you mean there was no sin? Well, don't worry. We'll talk about that. We all sin every day. Actually, we're all sinning. We, we, we're still Sinners saved by grace. We're all in sin just sitting in this room right now. No, you need to stop thinking like that. That you're just a habitual sinner that just lives in a constant pattern of sin. It's a lie from the devil. You can live free from sin. Is my righteousness messed up? Is my peace messed up? I don't talk about that. My assignment. Is my faith messed up? Is there a crack in my faith? No, there wasn't a crack in my truth. There wasn't a crack in my righteousness. There wasn't a crack in my assignment or my peace, there wasn't a crack in the shield of faith. So the Lord said, what's the next thing? Take the sword of the Spirit and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. My wife was holding the, my daughter. I said, I want you to begin to pray in the Spirit right now. She began out loud. She began to pray over my daughter, holding her in her arms. And I began to walk and pace my room and quote the Word of God as I do just like I am right up here preaching. The Word declares... By his stripes I am healed. The word declares I'll hold up the shield of faith and quench every fiery dart of the enemy. The word declares that no plague and no pestilence and no disease will come nigh my dwelling. The, Lord de- the, the word declares that he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. I began to use the sword of the spirit. And I'm going to tell you, she fell asleep in my wife's arms. And she woke up from that nap, fever completely gone. And it stayed gone. And that's a small story, but what I'm trying to tell you is the Lord showed me something. The enemy has no right to our lives. So if we see his hand at work, we need to look at the armor and say, am I compromised in these areas? Truth, I talked about truth. The first piece of the armor is put on the belt of truth. Say truth. You have to know the truth. If you don't know the truth, the devil will slap you around like a little schoolgirl every day of your life. The Bible says it's for a lack of knowledge that people perish. In Hosea 4, 6. My wife was sick. We were poor. We were always beat up and broke down. And it wasn't because that was what God wanted for us. It was because a lack of knowledge. I, didn't, I wasn't able to recognize the hand of the enemy. Because I was ignorant of the word, when those things began to happen in my life, I couldn't stop and say, hey, hold up, thief. I catch you right now in the act. And the Bible says if you catch the thief, he must return seven times over what he took. I had no truth to do that. So you cannot be ignorant of the truth. I'm not going to preach all of this, but you just need to get a hold of that. You cannot be ignorant of the truth. If there was an hour to consume the word of God, it's this hour. Get off Facebook, get off YouTube, get off all the things you're wasting your time on and get into the Word of God and get the Word of God in your spirit this morning. Come on, somebody. 
Devote yourself to preaching and teaching. Fill up on the word of faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why do many Christians have no faith? Because they have no word coming into their life. The average Christian goes to church once every six weeks. And the churches that they go to give them a little Peter uh, patty cake slap, slap on the butt and send you on your way. There's no truth. There's no word being driven into your spirit. So when the enemy comes, when the time of testing comes, there's nothing to draw from. And you're being bamboozled and you don't even know it. You can't be ignorant of the truth. Number two, you must have proper doctrine. That was one of our points for last week. You must have proper doctrine. You think the devil's scared of, of the Bible? No, I said this last week, but bad doctrine is the devil's best friend. In fact, the Bible says that the way the enemy is going to deceive people in the last days, it's not going to be through CNN. It ain't going to be through Fox News. It's not going to be through President Joe Biden or President Donald Trump or whoever you like or don't like. It's not going to be through them. It says that he's going to use teachings that come from demons to cause people to depart from the faith. That means that, that, that false teachings are going to get in the pulpit and begin to get preached to the people and cause them to compromise, and it's going to cause what the Bible calls the great apostasy in the Scripture. Are you all with me this morning? So let's keep moving on here. Let's get to number two. Say truth. you got to make sure your truth is right. That's probably some of y'all's problem in this room. If you're having reoccurring problems, you need to start there. Is your truth right? Get truth. In fact, if you're a visitor this morning, before you leave, I want to give you some free teaching CDs on faith. Whoever will do that in the back. Before you leave, go to that sound booth back there. We're going to give you just some free teaching. Amen. To get the word in you. Number two, say righteousness. Also, actually, before I move on, say the belt. The Bible says that truth is like a belt. A belt is... This was a depiction of a Roman citizen or a Roman a Roman officer, Roman military. What am I looking for? Soldier. Say soldier. That's what it is. The Roman armor. Couldn't think of the word soldier. Yeah, like a knight, like a Roman soldier, but specifically the Romans. The belt that they had, it held up the rest of their armor. So I want you to hear this. The belt was what held the breastplate in place. The belt is what held the leg covering and the boots in place. The belt held up the armor. So here's the point. If your truth is messed up, everything else is going to be messed up. If your truth is messed up, the rest of the armor will be messed up. If your truth's messed up, your righteousness will be messed up. And that's what you see right now. We'll talk about this, but most Christians, they don't even believe that we have a standard of holiness today. They don't believe that as Christians that we have to live holy. They believe in uh, we can just sin, we can do as much as we want, that it doesn't matter, that there's nothing that, that you could do. You could turn your back on God and serve the devil for all the days of your life, but if you prayed that prayer when you were six and a half years old, that you're secure and, and your name's written in the book of life, that's just simply not true. And because their truth's messed up, they have no breastplate of righteousness, the rest of their armor, their assignment's messed up, their faith is messed up, their salvation's messed up because their truth is wrong. You all with me? So say righteousness. Number two, stand your ground putting on the belt of truth in the body armor of God's righteousness. So... I know some people may hear this and say, well, righteousness, right? We receive that by faith at salvation. That's not the righteousness that it's talking about. Because salvation is another piece specifically of the armor, the helmet of salvation. So we receive salvation. We receive righteousness by faith when we're saved, right? But that's not what it's talking about here. That's a part of the helmet of salvation. This is talking about your your righteous actions. This is talking about righteousness in regards to living a holy life apart from sin. Are y'all with me? I'm going to give you some facts about sin this morning. 
If you were here a few weeks on Wednesday night, you're going to say, John, this is what you preached. I know it is, but some people weren't here, and the Lord told me they need to hear this. So here's some facts about sin. Number one, write this down. Christians don't have to sin. Romans chapter 6, let's read it real quick. Should we keep on sinning so God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? How You've died. You don't understand salvation isn't just praying the prayer. You've counted yourself dead. That's why you need to get baptized. When you go under that water, it says that you are counting yourself. The way that he died and was buried, your old life is buried. And the way that he rose from the grave, now by the same spirit and power, you are resurrected. You live in resurrection life. And by the same spirit, we can live new lives, the Bible says. Most Christians have never got to that point. My old self is dead. Man, I used to run around and chase the ladies, and all, you know, you hear guys talk. I had a girlfriend every other day. And then they get saved, and guess what? They do the same thing. You're missing it. You're totally missing it. You had to count your old self dead. You better understand what it means to follow Jesus Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives on the inside of me. Well, Brother John, you don't understand. I was born this way. I was born with same-sex attraction. Well, okay, maybe you were. We were all born into sin, but you got to be born again. Well, Brother John, you don't understand, though. Even though I prayed that prayer, I still have those feelings. I still look at a person of the same sex and, and, and have those emotions. Who cares what emotions you have? Kill those emotions. Crucify those emotions. What if we were just a bunch of preachers that run around cheating on our wives? Well, I just felt like cheating on my wife. I just really felt I had that attraction. I had that emotion. Guess what? Just because you have the emotion, kill it. Shoot it in the head. Count yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ. I felt like watching pornography. Well, you better figure that out, and you better learn how to shut the flesh up and by the power of the Spirit put to death the deeds of the flesh. Since we've been united with him in his death, we'll also be raised to life as he was, for we know our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. If you're born again, you don't sin because you have to. You sin because you want to. Because according to the Bible, sin has no power in your life. That means if it has no power in your life, you're not just some slave that just habitually sins if you want to or you don't. No, it's lost its power. Does that mean that, well, what does that mean then when, when we sin? You sin because you wanted to. You sin because at some point you let that flesh get a little bit more ground than it should have had. Since we've died with Christ, we know we'll live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead. He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died... He died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should consider yourself dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Because of this, don't let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to your sinful desires. Man, what do you, Brother John, I have these thoughts. I have these desires. There's a power on the inside of you. You don't have to give in to them. Come on. Brother John, I'm struggling with pornography. No, you're not. Let me lay hands on you in five seconds. You won't struggle anymore. But if you still do it, it ain't because you're struggling. It's because there's no struggle. You're giving in to it. Are y'all with me? Is that what the Bible says? Sin is no longer your master, verse 14. You, are, you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well, since we live in grace, then that means that there's no standard. Really? Well, then since God has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Listen to me. I don't care if you prayed that prayer. Sin leads to death. If you're a Christian that continues in sin, you will die because of the sin that you continue to live in. Whether you go to heaven or not, 
People can debate about that left and right, but that is a slippery slope to walk up and down. So let's keep looking here. Write this down for point number two. Christians, so number one, Christians don't have to sin. Number two, Christians cannot continue in a life of sin. Say cannot. Christians cannot continue in a life of sin. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, don't you realize that those who, indulge, those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin. What is sexual sin? Adultery is sexual sin. You mean to be that I, you mean to say, John, I can't be a Christian and go cheating on my wife, cheating on my husband, and go to heaven? You're dang right. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Not only adultery, fornicating is sexual sin, having sex outside of marriage in general, sexual sin. You mean to tell me, Brother John, that I can't be a young 20-something-year-old and just go around and, and hooking up with people on those apps and, and meeting people and, and having all the sex that I want to have and go to heaven? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Because you haven't, you haven't died to your old self. Homosexuality, he's about to mention that specifically. Those who indulge in sin, worship idols, commit adultery, are male prostitutes, practice homosexuality. Y'all, this ain't a message of hate and condemnation. This is a simple reality. It is sexual sin, just like adultery, just like fornicating. It, if you, you cannot be a Christian and live a life in homosexuality. You cannot. You're thieves, you're greedy people, you're drunkard, you're abusive, you cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And in context, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, one chapter before this, Paul literally is telling them that there is a man in their church that was living in sin, and he said, you must pass judgment and remove this person. Right? They, they, when Paul wrote this, this didn't have chapters and verses. This was one solid letter. So in context to that, he's literally saying, don't you Corinthians realize, don't let anybody in the church be fooled. You cannot sit your butt in these seats and claim Jesus with your mouth, but then continue to live in sexual sin or cheat people or be greedy or be a drunkard or be homosexual and still inherit the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. Look at 1 John 3, 4 through 10. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. Man, I'm going to tell you that's the difference between religion and having the power and the indwelling presence of God on the inside of you. You love God so you don't want to sin because his presence, his anointing is so much more valuable than anything the world has to offer. I couldn't imagine wanting to forfeit the presence of God for some temporary satisfaction. And if you don't even get that, you've never had the presence of God. You've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost. It consumes you like a fire. It becomes a fire shut up in your bones where you can't be quiet about it. And whenever you do sin, you get grieved so fast because you, that presence, that presence of a holy God lifts and you recognize it. Woe to me, what I just did, I better never do again and I better get it right. How dare me forfeit the treasure of heaven. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But if anyone who keeps on sinning, I'm sorry, anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Jesus said you'll know a tree by its fruit. You'll know my disciples by their fruit. Anyone who continues to live in sin, after praying that prayer, after going under the water, after sitting your butt in the chair, I'm going to tell you, according to the Bible, if you continue in that, you don't know him. And one of the results of not knowing him in Matthew 7, he said, many will stand before me and cry out, Lord, didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we prophesy in your name, Lord? Didn't we do all these things? He'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. If you don't know him, you're not going to heaven. Whew. 
Don't let anyone deceive you. Listen to this. Don't, dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. Don't let anybody teach you any other doctrine that says any other thing. Don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family don't make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who the children of God are and who the children of God are. We can tell who the children of who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. So now we can tell who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Man. You cannot do these things and go to heaven. All right. So number 1, Christians don't have to sin. Number two, Christians cannot continue in a life of sin. Number three, you need to get this. Sin opens up the door to the spirit of infirmity and destruction. On top of going to hell, you'll live in hell on earth if you live in sin. On top of, as we just read, clearly according to the Bible, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. On top of that, sin, habitual sin, opens up the door to the spirit, say the spirit, of infirmity and destruction. Look what David said in Psalms 32.3. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Did David have a health problem? No, he had a sin problem. And because he refused to repent, what happened? It manifested itself in a physical way physical disease in his life. Psalms 31.10, I'm not dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength, and I'm wasting away from within. Listen to that. Sin will drain your strength and waste you away. So don't get caught in the lie of addiction. You need that drug to stay happy. You need that drug to stay high. You need that drug to function. I'm telling you that is a spirit and he's not your friend. That will not benefit. Getting drunk on alcohol will not benefit your life. It will drain you of your life. It will zap you of your strength and you will waste away from the inside out. There's only one type of life to live full of joy, full of the presence of God, full of the blessing of God, and that is a righteous life according to the word of God. So under this point here, sin opens the door of the spirit of infirmity and destruction. Matthew 12, 43-45, it says, When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest but finding none. So when you think about that, Christians can cast out devils. Maybe some of you, you could come in here oppressed by the devil, possessed by the devil. It's not about me. That name works. Devils will bow to that name, the name of Jesus. You could get set free. And it doesn't have to be some big flamboyant show. It could be very simple. You could get set free. That devil will flee your life when someone who has the anointing makes a point of contact. Not just a preacher, anybody, any believer. Grandma, who's anointed by the Holy Ghost, casting out devils. But it says that the Spirit will leave, and it will go out looking for rest, finding none. It says, I'll return to the person that I came from. So it returns to find its former home empty, swept, and in order. Then it, 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 the Spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. So the person is worse off than before. He said that will be the experience of this evil generation. So the spirit gets cast out, and apparently this spirit comes back, and, and it doesn't find a house where the strong man, the stronger man, the Holy Ghost is guarding. No, it finds a house with the door wide open. So what opened that door? What opened that door? Look at John 5, 14. Jesus healed this man, and afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now that you are well, 
stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. What basically Jesus was saying was, I threw that devil out that was causing all these problems, but if you don't shut the door to sin, if you continue to live in sin, that will be a wide open door, and that spirit will come back, but he'll come back with seven others that are worse than himself, and you'll be worse off than you were in the first place. Here's my point. Sin opens up the door to the spirit of infirmity and destruction. Say infirmity, sickness, disease. Some people can't get healed. Why? They got a crack in the armor. They got a crack in the breastplate of righteousness. They got a revolving open door in their life where the enemy continues to come in and do whatever he wants to do. Are y'all with me? Not everyone who is sick is sick because they sin, but mark my words, everyone who sins will eventually be sick. Everyone who lives a life of sin, sickness will be your portion. I'll give you another principle here. If you sow sin, you will reap death and destruction. Very simple. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Say death. You know, even though you got saved, guess what? The law of seed time and harvest still works. You know, that's why we preach on giving, because of the law of seed time and harvest. It says the wages of sin, if you sow sin, what's going to come back to you is death. Say death. So any person who's prayed the prayer or not, if you continue to sow sin in your life, guess what's going to happen? Death. Say death. Man, how come? How come tragedy strikes? I'm not trying to blame anybody. I'm being honest with you. What if a miscarriage happened because of a door that you refused to shut? I'm, I'm being honest with you. I'm not condemning. My wife had several miscarriages before we got pregnant, so I can speak to this. What if, what if we just want to dance around, we want to play around, and tragedy and destruction strikes our home, and it's because of the open door of sin? If you live in an environment of sin, it opens the door to destruction in your life. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. I love you. We've had people come in here, and they get married within two weeks, three weeks, a month to make things right. Living in a situation where you're living with a person you're not married to, that is sin. That's sin. And what's going to be the product? You're opening the door to destruction in your life. You can pray. You can fast. You can believe all day long. But until you come into obedience to the word of God, The wages of sin is death and destruction. Say there's only one way that works. It's God's way. Those who live to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Guess what? That flesh that's warring against you, that flesh that's trying to get you to sin, to serve the devil, those appetites on the inside of you that we just can't shut up and shut down and cause to come into submission, Guess where they're leading to you? Death and decay. Amen. Hallelujah. So there's more I could say, but I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up with this here. The strategy of the devil. The strategy, say the strategy. The Bible talks about the strategies of the enemy. It says the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So basically, what does that mean? The enemy looks around, prowling, looking for someone who has a crack in the armor. Do you got a crack in your truth? Do you have a crack in your righteousness? He's looking for that break so that he can gain legal access into your life. So the devil will try to attack your truth. Let's recognize the strategy of the enemy. Number two, the enemy will try to attack your righteousness. The enemy will get you to try to forfeit your righteousness. Amen. If there's a problem in your life, you need to ask this question. Is my righteousness messed up? Am I in disobedience to the word of God? What do I need to repent and make right? Amen. I'm telling you, maybe you need to burn something. Maybe it's not, Lord, I'm sorry for the drugs that I did last night. Maybe it's you need to go home, get a burn pile, throw those suckers in there and light the match and walk away and repent and shut that door in your life. 
Maybe you need to go home to a man or to a woman and look them in the eyes and say, I love you, but we're going to do this God's way. Either you marry me or I'm moving out tomorrow. Someone watching online, come on, somebody. Let's talk about this real quick, and I'm going to end with this, the benefits of righteousness. So not only the benefit being it's a breastplate, it will keep you from the strategies of the devil, but look at this, 1 Timothy 4.8. Physical training is good, but training in godliness is much better. Promising benefits, say benefits, in this life and in the life to come. So the Bible actually says that living righteous, living godly, provides not only heaven one day, right, but benefits in this life. Let's look at some of the benefits of living a righteous life. It says, the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Say, the path of the godly. One of the benefits of walking in righteousness is that the hand of God is on your life. Even what the enemy makes and plans for evil, the Lord works out for your good. What happens when the hand of God's on a person's life? Doors of opportunity open up for that person left and right. Favor follows that person. The Bible says goodness and mercy follow after me all the days of my life. The devil gets frustrated because he's trying to splot you, and every time he does, he just, you just multiply, and you get more blessed, and you get more prosperous because the hand of God is on your life, and he watches over you. One of the benefits of righteousness is the Holy Ghost will speak to you. Imagine situations like this. You're driving down the road, and the Holy Ghost says, don't go to that gas station today. Okay, you go to a different one. Come to find out there was a shooting or something at that gas station. You would have been right there. What is that? That's the hand of God. Hey, don't go to Walmart today. Don't go to that movie theater today. Don't go to that place today. It, there's a hand of God that comes on the righteous. you got to walk in righteousness to walk in tune with the Holy Ghost. If you're walking in sin, you cannot, you cannot walk hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. You don't even know him according to the Bible. Look at this, Psalms 112, 5 through 7, good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. Listen to me. Here's a benefit of righteousness. You don't got to fear bad news anymore. A lot of Christians, that's their whole life, is they're just expecting a bad report. They're expecting a bad email. They're expecting a bad phone call. They're expecting something to blow up in their face. But the hand, the righteous, that's not their portion. You don't have to fear bad news. Why don't you have to fear bad news? Because the hand of God is on your life. Anything that would come into your life to be bad or produce undesirable re results, the hand of God is already moving it out of the way. Come on, somebody. Say no more bad news. Only blessings. Only goodness. All the days of my life. Some of you that are righteous, listen to me. Don't you go to the, the hospital for the checkup and fear bad news. You silence that spirit of fear. Oh, I wonder what the doctor's going to say this time. He ain't going to say nothing more than you're healthy, you're healed, you're strong as an ox. You're 50, but you look like you're 30. Man, what's going on? How are you eating donuts and hot dogs and got a body like that? That just doesn't make sense. <laughs> just kidding. Look at this, Psalms 37, 25. David said, I have been young and now I'm old. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I've been young and now I'm old. David said, I've lived my whole life. And I have not ever seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. Say never. never. David said, I was, I've been a young man, now I'm an old man. And he's basically saying this, I've never seen one time a man or a woman that walked righteously before the Lord. Not one time did I see the Lord forsake them. Not one time did I see God fail to come through on his promises. Not one time did I see the hand of God not protect them. I've lived my whole life, and all I've ever seen is the hand of God blessing, prospering, guiding, 
protecting those that are righteous. There is a benefit to righteousness in this life. Are y'all with me? Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to be honest with you, too. And y'all, can, can, you, can you just make me a promise here? Promise me. Say, I won't be offended. There was a person one time, a couple years ago, living on the side of the highway with their family. We are all about helping people. We went to go pick, we drove an hour down the road to go pick this person up. I said, come to the church. We'll give you food. We'll give you groceries. We'll give you food boxes. Man, well, you know, I basically was just like, come. Because I was like, we have extremely giving people here. If you come and you got a good heart and people can see that you're hungry for the Lord, I'm going to tell you, people are going to help you out around here. It's just a fact. Because we love God, we're full of the Holy Ghost, and he cares about you. But then I started trying to help this guy. You know, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's get right with Jesus. No, brother, I'm right with Jesus. I am right with Jesus. I love God. Hallelujah. I pray every day. I read my Bible. and You know, and basically I had to tell this man, well, either you're a liar or God's word is a lie. Because if you're not lying, then God's word's a lie. He said the righteous are never forsaken and his seed are never begging for bread. You know what I said? It's impossible to be a righteous man and be living out on the side of this highway. If it is possible, then let's throw the whole thing out the door because it's not true. It's a lie. Either God's word is true or it's not true. He had to come to, guess what? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. If you're living out on a highway, that's if you're in an undesirable circumstance, instead of being full of pride, why don't you come under the hand of God, humble yourself and say, Lord, maybe I am a sinner that needs your grace. Maybe I've done some things wrong, but today I'm going to make those things right, and I believe that you're going to help me, and I'm going to receive it. I'm telling you, God will take you from a dunghill and set you in the palace, the Bible says. I told him that. I said, you're, either you're lying or God's, or the, the word of God is, is lying. Which one is it? And God said, let the word be true and every man a liar. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. You can have confidence. If you live a righteous life, you live by the word of God, you live full of the Holy Ghost, you do what the Lord tells you to do, and you live in, in righteous conduct, you'll never be forsaken. I'm telling you, you'll never lack anything all the days of your life. Your children will grow up in the ways of the Lord. They'll serve the Lord. Destruction won't come upon your house. You won't have to fear bad news because bad news is not your portion. The blessing is your portion. Hallelujah. There's a blessing for obedience. One of my favorite passages in the Bible, Psalms chapter 1. Say saturation. My gosh, it's 1241. We're still sitting here. I'm almost done. Saturation. Saturating in the presence of God. We need to. Man, like I said, most Christians, you know, we're here. We got Sunday morning, Sunday night prayer, Wednesday night, Friday night. We're doing stuff all the time, but not everyone comes all the time. You can't get a little Happy Meal and go out and face that devil and what's going on in the world. You got to get saturated in the presence of God. You need to get so full of it, (laughs) so full of the anointing, that when the devil tries to squeeze you, that's all that's coming out. You're just like a rag full of the anointing. He starts screaming when he squeezes you. I'm going to go mess with Kim today. (laughs) Because the anointing, she's just releasing the word of God. Come on. You start doing that, the devil stops messing with you. Because he realizes every time he squeezes you, Jesus is the only thing that comes out. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 1, I named my daughter after this. I want to show you this. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. You know, the Bible says, trust in the Lord. Do not lean on your own understanding. Delight yourself or trust in the Lord. And he'll show you which path to take. Do not lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in everything that you do. That's what it says. He'll show you which path to take. That's in the book of Proverbs. Say the advice of the wicked. You get saved 
This Karen, you get saved. You're going to know this. You're going to have people, they're not saved. They're not full of the Holy Ghost. They're not full of the Word of God. They're not full of the promises of God. They're going to tell you every which way from Tuesday of what you should be doing in your life. But I'm going to tell you, you have to make a decision. I'm not going to follow their advice. I'm going to stick with the Word of God. Because everybody and their dog is going to have an opinion about what you need to be doing, but you need to die to man's opinion and say, I'm going to stick with the word. So you're a person that dies to the opinions of man and lives for the approval of God. And it says that you don't stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. What does that mean? I'll love you, I'll witness to you, I'll pray for you, I'll preach to you, but if you want to live in sin, guess what? I got no part in that, and I'm not going to fellowship with it. You want to go over to that house and be watching that stuff on your TV and doing those drugs and doing all that stuff? That's great for you. I'm going to tell you there's a better life for you, but you won't find me standing in that situation. I'm going to be in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Some people say Sunday morning rolls around and I'm going to be in bed hanging out. Not me. I'm going to be in the house of the Lord. Because the Bible says there's a blessing for those that are planted in the house of the Lord. That they'll be strong like trees of Lebanon. That even in their old age, they'll produce sweet fruit, the Bible says. I'm going to be, I'm going to go spend my whole life in the house of God. I'm going to tell you, you'll look at me if Jesus tarries when I'm 80 and you'll look at other 80-year-olds and you'll be like, this dude don't look like he's 80 years old. What is going on? There's a blessing for being in the house of God. It says, but instead of that, they delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. So if you will consecrate your life, step out of that system, step away from all of those things and consecrate, delight yourself in the word of God. Give yourself over to it. Do what it says. It says you will be like a tree. Look at this. Planted along the riverbank. Bearing fruit in each season. Say, each season. Your leaves will never wither and you'll prosper in all that you do. Say the shield of faith. I got a hold of this verse several years ago when everybody else was, was shutting down and freaking out in COVID. And you heard pastors coming on. You never heard me talk like that. Well, how many of you know this has just been a really hard time for the ministry? No. Because I stood on the word. I said, wait, hold on. Is this a season? Yep, it sure is. That means I'm to prosper in each season. That means God's will isn't for me to suffer and say, well, you know, he's the God of the, mount- of the valley, just like he's the God of the mountaintop. Nope, if it's a season, I'm supposed to prosper in it. Let's stop saying, well, he has to lead you through the valley before he brings you to the promised land. Jesus is the promised land. When you get Jesus, there's no more valleys. That was a picture. Joshua, literally his name in the Hebrew, Yeshua. Yeshua is the name of Jesus. It was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the one that took us out of the slavery of Egypt and brought us into the promises of God. So stop tolerating that. Well, I'm just in a season right now of, of obscurity. No, you're not. If it's a season, it says... They are trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. But not the wicked. That means you can't be wicked and and live in that reality. Not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They'll be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, and the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Say blessings. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to end with this right here. This is 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 22. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are for special occasions. The cheap ones are for everyday use. Let me tell you something. Whether you're an expensive instrument in the hand of God or whether you're a cheap little spork bought at Dollar General, It's not dependent upon God. It's dependent upon you and me. If you, if you, who? If God? If you, say me, keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. 
Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. I'm going to tell you, God has so many plans for people sitting in this room, but he can't give it to you because you're not ready for it. There's so many people in here, God is like, I, I want to give them the multi-million dollars that I've promised, but they would kill themselves if I gave it to them today. They would totally stop serving me. They would go into a life li- totally lived apart from me. There's such a high calling for some of you, but if the Lord gave you some of the things that you desire in your heart right now, you wouldn't be ready for it. So what does the Bible say? Look, that doesn't mean you got to wait. That means get ready today. That means get a life set apart from sin today. Walk in righteousness today. Keep yourself pure. And what will happen is you'll be a special utensil ready for the Lord to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace, and enjoy the companionship of those that call on the Lord with pure hearts. Amen. Last thing I'll tell you, the body armor of God's righteousness, say the body armor. It covered the front and the back. It's very simple. Righteousness will cover your backside. Hallelujah. There's some people that they have sinned and they've never dealt with it, that they cannot step into the higher calling and platform that God has prepared for them because if they did, they're skeletons that would be drug out of the closet. And it's not that God won't forgive you, but you can't run from them. You you hear me? You can't cover them up. Stop pretending like it didn't happen. Humble yourself and, and heal. Get your heart right with God. Get, you know, I'm telling you, even like the whole marriage, to living with someone you're not married to, I understand why they say to do that in our time. It's cheaper, right? Well, we, you know, instead of us having two apartments, why don't we just shack up together, have sex, live with one another, play house, even though we've not made covenant before God and man? Let's just do that. It makes more sense. Maybe you got kids. Maybe you say, well, maybe I've had kids with this person, so it just makes more sense for us to live together. Maybe it does make more sense. But I'm telling you, something's got to switch on the inside of you where you say, I would rather live righteous than live in convenience. I would rather be right before the God, right before God than, than, and be inconvenienced than to live in sin just because it's more convenient. Are y'all with me? Hallelujah. It covers your back. Sin covers your back. When you live, I'm sorry, righteousness covers your back. Not sin. Sin's bad. Righteousness covers your back like a, like a body armor. Man, imagine that. Guys, I'm telling you, some people, they've had affairs in their whole life. They're paranoid because they're a bunch of men that are constantly hoping no one looks at their cell phone. Their blood's sitting there pumping. I sure hope no one picks up my cell phone and looks at who I've been talking to. I sure hope no one, teenagers, I sure hope mom and dad don't pick up my cell phone and look at what I've been watching at, look at what I've been looking at. It's time to wrap up because I'm slurring my words now. I'm getting too drunk. (laughs) Righteousness covers your backside. Amen. Hallelujah. Did y'all receive from the Lord this morning? I want you to just lift your hands right where you're at. Father, I thank you for a fresh fire in these people. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for even adding people to our church, bringing them here. You're raising up an army in this last hour for Angelina County and for the state of Texas, that those that will run forth with the fire and the power of God and win souls and bring in your harvest. Lord, you're going to bless them. You're going to prosper them. You're going to promote them. I thank you that today the vision of eternity is getting inside of people's spirits where they say, I've been living for myself, but now today I'm getting a vision of eternity and I'm going to live for heaven's purposes from this day forward. I'm going to run on purpose. I'm I'm going to run with the fire. I'm going to run with the calling of God in my life. Nothing's going to stop me and, and, and slow me down any longer in the name of Jesus. Fresh fire in this room. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah.
I want to make this last announcement. We're taking the kids to Dallas July 31st through the 2nd. If you have kids that did not come to Tampa, the youth pastor of the River Church is going to be putting on a week-long conference in Dallas. We're taking the kids free of charge. Again, we're not going to charge anybody. We're just going to do it. And the Lord told me to take them and try to get some of the kids that did not come to Tampa with us because the Lord's going to give you the same fire even though you didn't go. Amen. Come on. Youth kids. Youth kids. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, we'll get it planned. There's a children's week at the Tampa that they do with the youth week. We'll do it next year. We'll, get, we'll take the kids too. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you. See you tonight. If you're coming to prayer tonight at 6 o'clock, we have prayer. Other than that, I love you. God bless you. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.